Hello, this is Peter Tam, and welcome to another episode of the Mental Debriefing Podcast. Today's date is October 6, 2020, and it's about uh, 2.36 p.m. right now, Pacific Time. I am southbound on the Interstate 15, headed from Las Vegas to Southern California, I am uh, past the state line on the California side, so headed home. So let's get started with the podcast. Okay, hope everyone's having a great week. Uh, It's uh, only Tuesday right now, but I hope your week is coming along. Yeah, there's not much to discuss, but I'd like to delve into the wild world of uh, political talk. Uh, Overall, I feel that the country would be better off served if Donald Trump continues as president for another four more years. I am obviously very pro-business, as you're aware, and I'm pro-business, pro-freedom, pro-free speech, which at the moment the left-wing politics, left-wing politicians, they don't support any of that, and on a democratic side we see a rise of the far the far left um, all these so-called progressive Democrat uh, candidates they are very very far left and are very pro-socialist and pro-authoritarian if you've uh, watched any of Tim Pool's videos on YouTube uh, you'd, you'd see that the media has been uh, attacking Trump nonstop for the past four years, and a lot of those attacks are not really warranted and are completely. Uh, they twist the news to make Trump bad, make Trump look bad all the time, and it's very, very unfair. And with the whole coronavirus thing and Trump contracting coronavirus, it was very disingenuous, I should say, that um, the Democrats were upset that he got well in a quick fashion. And I'm just overall, I'm tired of the Democrats using the coronavirus as a weapon. I feel that's uh, inappropriate and irresponsible. It's a worldwide pandemic, so you can't really say that. um, You can't just blame Trump for everything. It's, it wasn't Trump that put the, uh, 
COVID-positive patients into nursing homes. He had that na naval nurse ship um, both in New York and LA harbors. And the Democratic mayors and governors in both cities, they refused to use those. Well, in LA there were some patients, I don't know about New York, but they refused to go on this naval ship thing. Instead, they decided to, to um, jam up nursing homes with, uh, with uh, COVID positive patients and that dramatically increased the fatality rates um, of seniors. As you, you're aware, uh, like, like most of these respiratory diseases or uh, illnesses in general, um, the older you are, the more susceptible you are to uh, things not going well, let's just say. And as it happened, the end result was a lot of seniors are not feeling well. Um, statistically, that's what played out. Um, by a lot, I mean like 0.001% of course, of the population. And it's not even of the population, it's of the uh, people that got infected. So, overall population, it's incredibly slim. But the Democrats want to close down the city forever and close down the economy forever. Um, when a lot of the times the people that get infected with uh, COVID and coronavirus, it's not like um, it's one group of people uh, politically that get in infected with the coronavirus. Uh, Democrats get coronavirus as well. But... Um, Obviously, that doesn't fit the narrative that the uh, liberal media wants to portray, so uh, they always like to prop up news stories. Oh, it's the Republicans that don't wear masks and blah, blah, blah. But then when it comes down to it, L.A. County is not a very Republican place, and then the infection rates are far higher than a lot of conservative counties, um, Orange County included. So you tell me if there's... Um, if there's statistical data that supports their claims that uh, it's the Republicans that go willy-nilly on the whole uh, whether to wear a mask or not. And then, of course, there's the whole thing regarding um, sexual activity. And... Should I be wearing a mask when I partake in such activities, adult activities? Who knows? Um, obviously, that doesn't make sense, and no one does it. So, you're telling me these uh, conservatives living out in the middle of nowhere, they're the super spreaders? Probably not. But Yeah. I mean, it's like, if you go onto a bus in an urban area... Uh, your chances of 
contracting COVID are much higher, of course, than if you're in a pickup truck by yourself driving around, right? It only makes sense. Okay, um, outside of politics, let's go through a few interesting topics for the day. Oh, one last thing regarding politics. As you know, a lot of jobs moved out of California, and then a lot of people followed their jobs out of California, and then the reason they the uh, jobs moved out of California, particularly, is because of the economic environment here. The government is very, very unfriendly. Then people have the audacity when they're in other states to continue voting for the same patterns as they did in California, which uh, wouldn't make sense because then that would um, that would result in their new territories having a lot of the same policies that California did and it would dissuade their businesses. So. I mean, they're they're the businesses that they are employed in. So it really doesn't make sense how people vote. Um, of note regarding the propositions this time around, uh, in California there's obviously a ton of propositions, which are like referendums um, that voters vote on. I don't know what they call it in the East Coast or in the Midwest, but uh, in California they're called propositions. And there's a few notable ones, of course. One is Prop 22, which a, uh, a while back in California they passed, um, the uh, legislature passed the uh, AB5, Assembly Bill 5, which is uh, basically, it makes um, it changes the relationship between employer and employee uh, when it comes to independent contractors. It's in uh, 1099 type employees. It's uh, much harder to qualify someone as being an independent contractor now. And as a result, it puts in danger the jobs, um, the gig economy type jobs, for example, Uber and DoorDash and things like that. The uh, Prop 22, of course, is an exemption for uh, delivery type jobs like uh, Uber and DoorDash and Lyft to continue on with their... Um, with their classifying their drivers as 1099 employees. So it, it doesn't repeal AB5. It's, um, it's basically an exemption for delivery drivers um, to be exempt from AB5. And do I feel that's a uh, good thing to support? I do. I do, as you, you are aware, deliver for DoorDash on occasion, 
and it's good to choose my own schedule and um, have the ability to refuse an assignment that is uh, unreasonable or it's a far distance for low tip, low or no tip. Uh, all of that stuff, of course, when you're an employee, you really can't, um, you, can't you really can't flex those types of muscles because uh, employees, you have to do what your employer tells you. You can't be refusing assignments. Also, as a 1099 employee, you, of course, have the opportunity to expense out a lot of your expenses, like uh, um, half of your meal, uh, your vehicle expenses, stuff like that, and that offsets your your um, your income that you generate. So, in a way, when you're a 1099 employee, you're kind of earning like um, tax-free income because a lot of your expenses. Um, kind of cancel out the income taxes that you may have may had to pay uh, because of um, because when you get the money of course the your that income is uh, not taxed so at the end of the year you have to pay taxes on said income that wasn't taxed before but when you're a 1099 employee and you can expense things, 1099 independent contractor, um, that gives you the uh, privilege to offset your your incomes uh, with a bunch of um, expenses. So it's really helpful to be a 1099 employee. A lot of people, of course, they... Uh, they go to work, then they don't look at their pay stubs, so they get paid and then that's it. They don't do the math. They don't see how much that the government takes out, which is a whole ton. So that's a proposition that I will support, which will give um, these types of delivery drivers and uh, and uh, Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, a exemption to this uh, um, AB5 rule, Assembly Bill 5. And they can continue on as independent contractors. I, uh, you know, due to the tax reasons I just laid out, I prefer to be an independent contractor for this particular job. Now, other jobs, of course, I like to be an employee, um, but for this particular job, I do like being a... Uh, independent contractor uh, and then there's uh, Proposi uh, Proposition 16 which um, it repeals Prop 209 which was passed in 96 which was about um, you know you can't have quotas when you hire people you have to hire people based on um, you know, non-discrimination, uh, you have to ignore race and ignore religion, creed, things like that, gender, um, sexual orientation, things like that. Um, so this Prop 16, it would eliminate uh, civil rights verbiage 
in the uh, you know in in the proposition in the bill in the not the it would eliminate um, civil rights verbiage from the California state constitution because they want to go back to a time when there's quotas um, regarding who you hire things like that and you know there are certain jobs where there's too many um, what they feel uh, what the Democrats feel that there's too many Asians or too many white people things like that um, they want to prop up affirmative action again instead of hiring the best qualified people they want to um, base you know have have um, race and things like that as a consideration when uh, companies do hiring. That, of course, uh, is discriminatory, I feel. And I don't think that's a good thing. And it's going to hurt a lot of people. Because, um, you know, as an employer, you want to hire the best qualified person. And then as a customer, you want the best qualified person to, um, you know, I don't know, work on your car as a mechanic or, you know, hand, handle your claim as a uh, claim, claim adjuster uh, when you get into an accident or things like that, things of that nature. You don't want to have someone there that's not fully qualified, but um, is there because of affirmative action or things like that. So, obviously, I don't support that bill. Um, it removes civil rights verbiage from uh, the U.S. Constitution. Not the U.S. Constitution, the California State Constitution. And I don't think that's right. There's also a Prop 15, which is... Um, it's basically a chipping away bill at the uh, Prop 13, which was passed in 1978. Basically, property taxes are capped off at um, 1% plus uh, up to up to two up to 1.99% in um, you know local supplements and things like that. And that's Prop 13. So there's a limit to how much um, your property taxes can be assessed. And then each year, the amount that the property tax can be increased is also um, at an incremental fashion. Of course, and then that's for both uh, residential and commercial property. Now... The Prop 15, of course, they want to um, undo, a, undo a whole bunch of stuff and undo that measure, which they want commercial properties to, to also be, uh, I'm not also, they want commercial properties to be eliminated from this Prop 13, so... Uh, what that means is the, the um, how much property taxes increase per year on um, 
on commercial properties, there will they 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 can reassess that every year or um, readjust. There's no cap on how much uh, the property taxes can increase per year. And then regarding Prop 13 on the commercial side. Uh, no longer will there be a, uh, you know, the, no longer will there be a 1% limit regarding uh, property taxes on the commercial side. So, of course, you know, I'm not very happy with that, and California's economy is in shambles right now due to the uh, seven to eight month lockdowns that we've been going through. And it's just not right to further hurt businesses, um, further hurt landlords. Um, it's, I feel it's counterintuitive and you're not really accomplishing anything. And it's another way the government, the state government is trying to get more money. See, uh, the Democrats, all they want is more and more and more funding. The whole concept of balancing books or running a slim government, that's not important to them. What's important is uh, trying to squeeze the taxpayer for as much uh, money as they, as they can. You know, the re Republicans have a philosophy to lower taxes would, uh, um, you know, it would help individuals because they have more money in their pocket that they earned instead of uh, shoveling 30% to the federal government, 12% to the state government. Uh, that's a lot of uh, money you're giving to to these uh, government agencies just based on taxes. And then, of course, there, you have your property taxes. Their philosophy, of course, is the more you make, the more they have a right to take. And they're quote-unquote helping people by, uh, <laughs> by collecting a bunch of taxes, which makes zero sense. I really don't get it, Democrat philosophies. You know, they're like, oh yeah, we're going to have all these social programs and blah, blah, blah. But um, those social programs, it the reach of them, it's not a lot. And a lot of lower middle class, middle class people, even a lot of uh, poor people, they don't benefit from a lot of the quote-unquote social programs that would be added by increasing taxes. Uh, so those are, that's Prop 15, Prop 16, Prop uh, 22. There is a rent control one. I don't remember what number it is, but... Um, that would give local governments the ability to have uh, rent controls on properties. Um, you know, housing that is 15 years old and above. Again, another money grab by the government. Uh, they want to cap off rentals rental prices and create a uh, artificial floor 
on artificial ceiling on uh, rental prices. I don't think that's a good idea because you, when you have rent controls, the landlord has no motivation to keep up the property. And you're just making a bad situation worse. And I, I don't know, because uh, frankly, I don't know if it's a money grab or not. I don't, I don't know why they just want to cap the uh, cap the uh, rents on certain places. Their philosophy is, of course, people can't afford to live in X, X and X area, so uh, rents are out of control, and to deal with that and make sure our renters have a place to stay that's within means, they put a cap on, uh, put a cap on, um, how should I say, on... A certain housing. I don't think that's a good idea, of course, because when you put a cap on certain housing, um, it uh, it hurts the homeowners tremendously. Because their property values, they don't uh, appreciate when you uh, put a cap on how much income they can earn on their particular house. And of course, my philosophy, you know, there, it's one thing to build low-income low housing, which I am a firm supporter of low-income housing. But to cap off all properties 15 years old and above, I think that's just way too much government overreach. And the market should determine. If California is too expensive, then go move somewhere else. So that's it regarding the propositions, um, all that I remember. There's a stem cell one that's like, that costs a tremendous amount of money to increase funding for stem cell research, Prop 14. Uh, it was like 5.96 billion or, or more, I forget, but it was a large amount. I'm so torn between that, I believe that there should be more stem cell research, of course. But you also have to weigh that with the costs of everything. And if it's the government's responsibility to be handing out research grants left and right like that. But more stem cell research, the better. What else is there? Yeah, there's a dialysis one. I never know how to vote on those. Um, dialysis center one, which is, uh, one of them has to have a doctor, uh, at all times at the dialysis center. You know, I don't know if that's necessary or not. <laughs> and most people don't, unless they've had a relative, um, and not just a relative, if they've themselves have not uh, dealt with dialysis centers before, then uh, they wouldn't know how to vote in that case either.
so tired. So that's it regarding um, state propositions. I don't have any further uh, f further election um, talk, I guess. I do feel that the, in my particular area, the um, GOP candidates are not the greatest um, candidates to win. When you have when you have candidates, you need to have one that's a great fundraiser and one that can win an election. If if you keep running back the same people over and over, particularly those that lost, then um, that might not be a great thing. Certainly, uh, on the Democrat side, it, like. Um, for the state senator, uh, Chino Hills and Fullerton, it's in the same area. And that particular person was, uh, the, the state senator was um, Josh Newman, and he got recalled. And then now he's running again. So it's like, what the heck, you just got recalled and then you want to run again? So, uh... It's uh, completely nonsensical how these elections are. Sometimes they're strong candidates and then they're in districts that they can or cannot win. And it's a shame. But uh, overall, that's all I feel about politics. You probably can guess by uh, my analysis of things which side I'm going to vote for. Um, regarding president and things like that, so. So, yeah, we'll see. Other than that, um, any other chat to talk about? Okay, since I'm sitting in traffic, how do you guys, uh, feel about sitting in traffic? You know, Eddie Bravo had, um, Eddie Bravo, which was, uh, he's one of Joe Rogan's friends, of course. He was claiming that now people, they care less about sitting in traffic because they have podcasts to listen to. <laughs> and then that can keep them entertained for hours. Uh, whereas, you know, if you don't, uh, don't sit. Previously, you didn't have a podcast to listen to, so when you sit in traffic, it's a very painful situation. I don't agree with that. I still think sitting in traffic is a painful situation, and it uh, you know it's not good for keeping calm. It's not good for your nerves, and. It's obviously not great for the environment, but, um, but yeah. I don't like to sit in traffic, and 
the way Southern California is structured with um, a lot of the jobs are in LA and Orange County of course in Southern California and then a lot of the affordable housing that's in semi-decent neighborhoods they are further inland in the Inland Empire, Riverside, and San Bernardino counties. So, oftentimes, long commutes in the morning going westward and southward take place, and then in the evening, long commutes going eastward and northward take place. And by long, I mean like 90 minutes plus which is very typical of Southern California. And those are just the routes I'm familiar with. I'm not sure regarding like, uh, you know, people that live in Santa Clarita and then they work in downtown LA, how that works, or um, they live in Santa Clarita, work in Torrance, whatever. Uh, they may have um, much crazier commutes that I'm not aware of. Uh, overall, am I hopeful uh, for the country as a whole? Um, I don't know, because Democrat policies are just so outrageous now. <laughs> it's like, it's so far out of left field. They're not... It, they're not getting the concept about how business works or or um, what the blue collar life is like or any of that it's just uh, intellectual ideas and those intellectual ideas have been proven wrong because socialism has failed time and again uh, in uh, country after country and then when you bring up examples it's always, oh yeah, that's not a real form of social socialism, or that will never take place in the U.S. Uh, the horrors of socialism will never occur in a great country like the U.S., things like that. And it's obviously incredibly frustrating when they uh, spit out that type of uh, argument. Uh, yeah... That's it for politics. Regarding books, I am going to do another book review soon. I just need to finish up a, a few books. And yeah, I've been I've been watching a lot of um, these quote unquote internet gurus. Internet financial gurus like Dan Pena, Dan Locke, um, Ty Lopez, these types of get-rich-quick type of internet gurus who, on their marketing, you know, they're flashing a bunch of money and nice cars, but then... Their primary way of making money, of course, is charging you five digits to take their seminars.
And then it's always the same thing. You know, as uh, as a realtor, we also face these similar uh, types of um, kind of get-rich-quick type people, except in real estate, they're called, um, they're called coaches. So how that works, of course, uh, in both scenarios is you take their quote-unquote intro free class. Um, it's either free or very inexpensive. Then in the middle of the free class, instead of uh, uh, giving you a bunch of information, they invite you back uh, to another class. And it's always the same. Oh, yeah, there's a sale today. Today only you can... We're taking off another 30%. So... <laughs> You can uh, get this class valued at uh, $2,000 for uh, the uh, slim price of uh, $1,200 or something like that. I know my example, the percentages were probably not right, but you get the idea. It's always... And then for like every, every seminar, it's the same thing. It's like, uh, oh yeah, for a limited time only, you can uh, take this class and learn a bunch of stuff. And then you're sitting there at the free class, like, thinking, you invited me to this free class that I was supposed to learn all this kind of stuff. Um, and then now you want me to pay, like, 1200 bucks. And then you take the $1,200 class, then they're going to say, oh, yeah, we need to, uh, you need to go even more in-depth and more personalized. And then you need to do our coaching program, which is... Um, like $200 a month or something insane like that uh, or more sometimes it's two three hundred dollars a month and then when you say you can't afford it they're like um, you know they, they bring up you know money should be no issue to you blah 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 you know you should be able to afford this and once you learn all the information you can easily pay back that amount and it's a very disingenuous type of argument and that's the primary vehicle with which um, how they make money and it's incredibly frustrating and then of course you know in uh, in the real estate world there is a whole ton of stuff like that as well Other than that, I don't have much else to say, and uh, I hope you guys have a great, great day. I, you know, I've I've just come coming back from Vegas. I felt uh, very at home in Las Vegas as usual, and housing, of course, is still very affordable in Las Vegas uh, by California standards, and. I really hope things work out and, um, you know, I have a nice job in Las Vegas and I find a wife and I start a family. I really hope that all happens. And of course, Las Vegas is near to Southern California, so I can come home like every four to five weeks or something like that. And overall, the amount of uh, driving back and forth 
time-wise would still be much uh, much less than say if I had to drive uh, 40 50 miles commute in LA uh, even 30 miles a 30 40 mile commute in LA is far more painful than because um, it happens you know you know four to five times a week so it can be uh, incredibly incredibly painful and an incredible waste of time because you have to go back and forth every day um, so you're talking about 10, 10 trips total a week whereas if you just uh, roll home it's much less painful pain uh, painless than uh, than something like this so hopefully things work out um, I didn't have much in the way of allergies uh, here in the desert usually I don't allergies of course a lot of it is caused by pollen uh, so if you're I don't know I'm also activated by you know when there's fires and stuff like that I'm activated by breathing ash as well but um, regarding pollen it's not uh, you want to move to a place with less pollen if you suffer from allergies. Alrighty, I uh, hope everyone's doing well, and I will talk to you guys later. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Mental Debriefing Podcast. If you want to send a email, my email is uh, mentaldebriefing at gmail.com. And if you have uh, any other uh, comments, make sure to send it to uh, my email. My Instagram is Vision of Tam. That's Vision of T A M. So I hope to see you guys there. Anyways, have a good week, guys.